and welcome to What's Brewing, a Project Zion podcast series where we focus on the questions, what is mission and why does it matter? I'm your host, Blake Smith, and I'm here tonight with James Clark, CFO of the Reaching Out Center in Ontario, Canada, which is part of the Canada East Mission Center. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me, Blake. I appreciate it. <laughs> you bet. Well, as you know, we're here to talk about uh, the Reaching Out Center, but before we do that, um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself so our listeners can get to know you better? Sure, will do. So, um, James Clark, I've been involved in the community of Christ since I was three. So I've been I've been a, I've been a member for a very long time. Um, being thirty eight now, you can do the math on that yourself. It, it's it's kind of been an interesting journey being part of the community of Christ. It's been in my life and been out of my life, and I've sort of come back to it. And now with the Reaching Out Center, so as you mentioned, being CFO there. Um, taking on a different perspective of the community of Christ and a different perspective on mission. Uh, so it, it's been a very interesting time. And, um, you know, being a dad myself, I've got, I've got four kids. So, you know, for, yes, everyone always gets excited and, and <laughs> guys like that. Bless you. Bless um, you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, having kids of all ages like that, it's very interesting to, uh, to see them grow up with a dad involved and, and get their perspective as well. So, very, very interested to talk to you tonight and, and uh, you know, talk about our story. Yeah, great. So just real quick, what's the age range of your kids? Yeah, so uh, they range from age 15 to 8. So it's about two years in between all of them. Yeah. Okay, great. I have two daughters and they are uh, between 25 and 33. And so oh. I, I still get their perspectives <laughs> as well because they're... Awesome. Uh, been around the church that my daughter did tell me one time, uh, my oldest daughter did tell me, she says, dad, I love you. And I love the church, but I'm just telling you right now, I'm never marrying a minister. (laughs) 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 I was gone a lot, uh, but that's all right. Anyway. So very good. Very good. Well, let's jump right into it then. Can you tell us, tell us a little bit about the reaching out center and just tell us what you think we ought to know. Sure. So Reaching Out Center is kind of new-ish in that, you know, we we sort of became an official congregation, an official group in March of 2019. Obviously, you know, big starry-eyed dreams uh, of of having a building and a space that we could call our own. Uh, we were kind of coming out of a separation of a congregation. Uh, so we were part of a larger group that split off and uh, sold that building. The proceeds of that, then <clears throat> part of that came to us to start our own mission and our own our own congregation. So we we knew we wanted a building. Uh, so we started in earnest and found something uh, in the Streetsville area, which is about twenty five minutes outside of Toronto. Um, so, you know, right in what we call the golden horseshoe, where lots of people living, lots of multiculturalism, lots of inclusivity. So a, a really nice spot. And and the other side of that we noticed was that a lot of underprivileged people lived in that area, people in between homes or those who are in you know social housing, things like that. Um, <clears throat> so we, you know, found this great space and just as soon as we found it, everyone was not allowed to go outside due to lockdowns and everything else with the pandemic. So, you know, we set about in earnest to revamp and renovate our space. Our building was a Christian bookstore uh, when we bought it. It was it had been there for 
25 years or so. Um, but what it allowed us to do was go right back to the studs, right back to the basics and think about what was it that we wanted in a building. We knew we wanted there to be things like accessibility. So we have, a, we have a, an elevator. We are 100% accessible in our, in our building. We have things like uh, ramps. We have uh, washrooms that work. So all those kinds of sort of new accessibility features we, we wanted. And we also knew that we wanted to, you know, make it a space that was open and welcoming to anyone. Our, our mission and our goal is, our credo is for anyone born a place at the table. We, we borrow that hymn. We feel like that's important. It's really, it's something that's plastered on our walls. We use that. It's in a lot of what we talk about with other people in the community, as well as other people who are friends of our, of our group. So we knew that it was important to have a space that was a storefront. That's what this is. We're right on Main Street, which is lovely. And the end goal for us is to open a soup kitchen and have that in the, in the back space for us. Uh, we're, we're on the way, but as you know, uh, it takes time. In the process of going through and trying to build this building out, we also had to consider what programming would we want to have and be involved in. Our, our leadership team is interesting in that it is primarily women-led. While I am the CFO, our, our sort of youth director and program manager, uh, she is she, she's been a teacher for years. She's fantastic with our youth and really works towards getting programming geared towards them, but also incorporates uh, an intergenerational spin on it so that we have the buy-in and support from, from some of our more seasoned members. Uh, at the same time, our administ chief administrator, she's been involved in the community of Christ for 50, 60 years. So, you know, she's allowed us to have that awesome stability and the understanding of how to move forward on certain things when we're stuck or don't know where to go. She has been an, an invaluable asset for us as well in, in our times of both greatness and in our times of a lot of despair and frustration over the last couple of years, for sure. Well, that's great. I, you know, I, one thing I want to pick up on, I just really appreciate this connection of mission to this, the hymn for everyone born a place at the table. And uh, just the real sense that I've gotten in my conversation with you, even before today, just that you're really living that. I mean, we, we sing a lot of hymns and we, we say a lot of things a lot of times and, and what we believe. So to hear that you're living it out there. That's, that's really exciting for me. So. We're trying. I mean, you know, you well, never, know, you never, yeah, as, as are many groups were, but you know, one of the things that has been, has been a, a, a path for us is trying to understand and be ready for whatever walks through the door. We, we just don't know. Are we going to have someone walk through our door who is Muslim? Are we going to have someone walk through our door who is full of hatred? We don't know. And so, you know, we're trying to understand how we are in the community in a way that's positive, but also in a way that allows us to be inclusive. Um, you know, part of that hymn is for abused and abuser, a place at the table. That is one of the hardest ones that we have had to grapple with and to be able to allow that and figure out how that fits within our wider group is, is one of the tougher ones, but we are working on it. That in itself is is uh, 
probably an incredible story. I, I don't know if you're aware, as I understand it, when they were putting together the hymnal, that verse that you mentioned is almost the reason the hymn was not included. Yeah. Because they're really, that's a really difficult text to live. So it, it is. Good, but if we are good. to live that way, that's, that's how it's got to be. Good, good for you guys. That's, that's great. So I want to clarify something. Did you, what's the name of the town where the reaching out center is? So it, it's it's a little town called Streetsville, but it's in, it's it's incorporated into the larger sort of city of Mississauga. Streetsville has been around for 150, 160 years. It's been it's been a long time. And an interesting another interesting fact about our building is that it was an original forge. So it it had the yeah. So it had the the anvil. It had the work, and it was the main spot in town because that's where everybody went to get horseshoes and nails and everything else. So. So, you know, we've tried to lean into some of those things about forging our destiny and, and you know, tempering ourselves in the community and things like that. So it, it's it's really interesting to have that history tied there. And, you know, so so it, it's very, it, there's always something that you're finding out about a space like that. Yeah, what a cool analogy to have as kind of your foundation and, and always pushing at you. That's That's really cool, really cool. So one of the things that I am interested to know, um, because a lot of our congregations and so probably a, a number of, of our listeners, those who attend congregations, uh, a lot of those congregations are what we might call commuter congregations where people, they don't live anywhere near and they're driving in. They have a hard time connecting with a community they don't live in. What is what is the um, what is the situation there in uh, Streetsville? Are you is are the people close by or is it most of your folks commute in? Yeah, we most of them commute in. There there are a okay. few that are close by in the area. We picked it specifically because it was a there was the need there for some of the members of the community. So we knew that we could have an impact that way. At the same time, it was somewhat centrally located for the members we did have at the time. So so those two those two pieces were drivers for us. Uh, at the same time, we do offer hybrid services and we try to do as much work on Zoom as we can. Still obviously learning and evolving despite the pandemic. You know, there's there's all sorts of hilarious things that can happen with, you know, people saying oh, yeah. mute, people swinging <laughs> off a of mute or, you know, dogs barking. It it happens, right? But you know, if we're gonna be doing church or gonna be doing mission and now the 21st century, we really do have to have that as one of our offerings. So we do have members who who are unable to commute and unable to get to us, whether it be they don't drive or a Canadian winter. You just never know. So so we do try and offer that as much as we can. Well, wow, that's that's great. So you you talked about some of your members and and some of them logging in via Zoom, not able to to come to Streetsville, and you've talked about the the three of you that are kind of the leadership team. How many people do you have as a kind of a core group? Yeah, I'd say our our, our core group that attends, whether it be Zoom or or uh, or in person, is about twenty five to thirty. is is our core group. Depending on what we're running, if it's at one of our sort of larger events of uh, you know a Christmas gathering or our annual picnic or what have you, we can see upwards of sixty or seventy people. It just it just kind of depends on the time of year, but. You know, one of the things we've really tried to do is diversify our offering and try to be open as much as we can uh, at the building. Uh, so that could be anywhere from, you know, two to four, maybe five times a week, depending on what we have going on. 
so that but we felt like that was important as a as an open space for people that is not just ours it is everyone's in the community and while we don't have everything in there that we want i mentioned the soup kitchen we will get there and that's the plan is to make that a community space okay out of your core group and i'm asking this question because i know a lot of people get discouraged when they're they want to do something you say well yeah we've got 25 people who attend but then there's a percentage of that that are really kind of engaged and doing a, a heavy load of the work. Is yours pretty well? Do you find that because of what you're doing, it's engaging more people, or is there still you're still at a stage where you've got that core group that are really carrying a, a majority of the weight? It's it's interesting because you know while we were getting the building and and renovating it and everything, there's only so much people can do. Um, but now that the building is open, now that that vision and goal has been achieved, we've really seen an influx of people wanting to help and do things and be involved, whether that be, uh, you know, a reading in a, in a service or whether that be to actually help serve food or what have you. It, it, it has opened the floodgates a bit for a lot of the things that we really want to do. And we know that service is a key to what we do. Uh, you know, we come from a time of potlucks. We come from a time of, you know, opening our doors and letting people come in and, and welcoming them and making them feel welcomed is a key part of sustaining any kind of relationship with anyone who comes through our doors. So in trying to get people in that mindset ha has been, frankly, easy now that we have a space that everyone can be proud of and, and be involved in. What the next step is, is the training that goes along with that. I mentioned earlier about how we never know who's going to come through the door. So that means we have to educate people from 14 to 94 about how to speak to people and, and how to sort of work on understanding of here's some, I'll call them frequently asked questions or FAQs. Here's some FAQs about reaching out. Here's some FAQs about community of Christ, because not everyone knows who we are. Not everyone knows what we stand for and what our guiding principles are, et cetera. I know you know and your listeners know, but for anyone who's <laughs> out in the community, it, it it is something where we we really have to shout it from the mountaintops about what we are. I think that's very gracious of you to say that most of us know. I, I, I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of folks, even within the tradition, who aren't really clear on where we stand on particular issues. And that's part of what we, we try to help with here at Project Zion Podcast. So, I think the idea of training is is definitely helpful. I want to ask about, um, I noticed on your website uh, that you refer, or, and I say you, I'm talking about your community, obviously, refer to your ministry as a new expression. And, and I'm interested to hear what makes Reaching Out Center a new expression? So it has been a, a long time of discussion about, what is it that needs to change? Just being open on Sunday from 11 to 12 is not going to cut it anymore, as many of us know. So then the question that I think a lot of congregations and groups are tackling or trying to tackle is the idea of, well, how do we change to make this better? And we have always considered that we don't actually know. And, and the reason why that admission is important is because we need to understand from the community what's important. We need to understand from where we're going in the community, 
who, where is the need? Where, where, what is not being facilitated that needs to be? We know, knew that a building would be a crux of what we were trying to do from a simplicity of existing and saying, hey, we're here. But we've tried to do a few things that are different. We have something as simple as a washer dryer in our building. The reason for that, if someone who is between homes or needs a washer dryer for clothes because they cannot afford a laundromat or what have you, they can do that at our facility. We have a accessible shower. Same reason. If someone needs a shower, it is there for them. We're also, as I mentioned, trying to get to that soup kitchen phase. So for us, we're moving to try and be, we're trying to reach out for lack of a better term. That's kind of the genesis of where that name came from. We we sort of all sat and, and had some names come up, but reaching out, somebody mentioned it and it just stuck. And so we are trying to live that through everything we're trying to do. And and what what I what I think is important with that new expression is the fact that I don't think that we talk about our, not just us, I mean, community Christ as a whole, we don't talk about our acceptance of LGBTQ rights, for example. We, we don't talk about that enough. We, I, I have had questions from people on Facebook and other places where they ask, do you even support LGBTQ rights or should, we, should I not even bother attending or should I not even bother talking to you? And that says to me, well, first, A, there's a communication issue, but B, we need to be talking about this more. There needs to be more of a an emphasis on that. So we have taken the step to purchase pride flag stickers that we're going to put up on our building to showcase that we are LGBTQ friendly. We have um, gone through some harmony training, which we can talk about in a bit if you'd like. You know, we've we've done that as well. So we are trying to break the mold of church and trying to be more about a reaching out center where people can feel welcomed and feel like no matter what their walk of life, they have a seat at the table. That's amazing. Question though, James, did you find that that was a natural move for your group as you began to consider moving forward? Or did you find some of the difficulties that many of our folks do with kind of breaking through that first admission of a need to change and not being just absolutely petrified by the idea. Yeah, it's, it, it was tough in the beginning because you, you know, you have grandiose plans and you have ideas about what this can be. And everyone has thoughts of that, but when it comes to presenting them in front of a group and trying to get buy-in and support, um, I, I have to say that we have been, extremely blessed by the change that has gone on and the change that has been accepted. We did not find it difficult, whether it was harmony or or trying to do some new programming or what have you. The, the people in our group have recognized and pivoted in a way that I did not think would have happened as quickly as it did in, in, a, in a great and fantastic and profound way. I, I think that we are well poised and have built quite an atmosphere there that anyone would be proud to be a part of. Yeah, I'd be proud to be a part of it. Uh, I got to <laughs> say, I'm just a little bit jealous. But that... <laughs> we we know that we are unique, and and every group is, and there's going to be challenges, and sometimes there are people who have been decide to walk away. It happens, um, but you know, the understanding of change for us has been quite profound. We 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 have not seemed to have many hurdles in that way. 
Uh, and so, so far we have been blessed. That, that's great. And hopefully for our listeners, there'll be some encouragement there that, that it is possible. And uh, even though it may be difficult, that uh, change is important. And you've mentioned so many reasons why that is important. I want to just pick out specifically the piece of, of saying, what does the community need? Often we talk about, well, what do we have the ability to do? Let's do this. But starting from the point of okay, this is where we feel God is calling us and what does this community need? Clear, clean slate. So I, I just really appreciate that. So that's, that, that, that's... You know, one of the things that's interesting about our situation of where we are in Mississauga is Mississauga is a bit of a bedroom community. And, you know, so people travel a lot for work. Uh, some are working from home, obviously. But in, in the latest census, there was a lot of data about people who commute to work. It's about 80% of people commute to work. So in my mind, to get them out on, say, a Sunday would be easy if we can tout the fact that it's free and local programming. So that is something we've started to do to say, look, you don't have to go far. There's not a lot of driving. I know it's a Sunday, but you could do it. Or if it's a Friday night, we're doing board game night from 7 to 9 p.m. We're not far. We're 10 minutes from your house. You drive 15, 20 minutes an hour to work. 10 minutes is nothing. So to be able to lean into some of the data and statistics um, ha has helped us grow a little bit, and we're really looking to do more of that in this year. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I know that you do several things. You've talked about potentially being in the facility you know, five, six days a week, but I, but what I see on the website is, is two primary focus areas, and one is the coffee and conversations and the all-in sun, the other's the all-in Sunday. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Sure. So Coffee and Conversations and All in Sunday are um, programs that we ran previously in the previous building that, that we had. It was a little different in that we, for Coffee and Conversations, it was more pockets. So we had a place, you know, sort of north of the city that we went and west of Toronto as well. So it was more, um, uh, it was, it was more like that, but this is solely at the building on, on a weekday. Coffee and Conversations is about trying to invite people into our space and have conversations that aren't necessarily religious, but are conversations that engage people and, uh, you know, sort of engage different point of views around something as simple as fellowship over a cup of coffee or tea. It has proven to us that there is an appetite out there for community and space where people can feel free to express themselves. I know that there is a lot of polarization in terms of politics and other things in our society that we kind of just have to deal with, but we're really trying to have something that goes against that a little bit in that, you know, we can disagree and still get along and still see each other and still say hi when when, when we talk about difficult subjects. Um, so Coffee and Conversations has continued to be a place where we get new people to the building. We may never see them any other time of the week, but it is beneficial to keep those connections going for a lot of people that we may never see. It, for us, it has been important to get that learning. Uh, so that that it, one is going to continue. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just want to stop. I want I want you to repeat that. It's okay to have people come in that you may not see any other time. You mean they <laughs> don't have you don't have a requirement that they have to show up and be in your pew on Sunday morning in order to participate. <laughs> clearly, clear, clearly, there's a need if they're showing up, but they don't show up at any other time. We are satisfying some kind of need for them. So for us, it is about making connection. You never know when that connection is going to come back to you. In, in the form of a person, in the form of 
you know, a donation in the form of someone just showing up. You, you, you never know. So it, it it's difficult sometimes to put that investment in there and not get it back right away. I, I could see how some people could struggle with that a bit. But again, we have people show up to Coffee and Conversations that we don't see at any other time. But is that beneficial? Yes, I would argue it's very beneficial for them specifically because they are going to go and talk to their friends about it and say, hey, I, I was with this group. We had a great time. Well, it was an in-depth conversation. No one was offended. It, it has turned into something where people can feel safe about expressing themselves, which is the start of relationship building. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, I was being facetious. So um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have a question about that, though. So are your coffee and conversations, are they structured in terms of you have a topic that you advertise you're going to be talking about or that you you have in mind? Or is it just casual conversation? What comes up when people arrive? Yeah, some it's a bit of both. It it just kind of depends. We we try and integrate people easily. So having a theme where people can sort of think on it and bring ideas to the table doesn't always work. We we want to try and make sure everyone has a chance to to speak if they wish to. But but sometimes we do. Sometimes we have themes. It just kind of depends on what's going on in the world. Obviously, you know, Christmas is a time where we think very differently than we do other times a year. We should think about it Christmas all the time. Um, you know, think that way all the time. Uh, but, you know, Israel and Hamas war, that's something that people, you know, that's really something that bothers people. Same with Ukraine and, and Russia. All these things um, that are difficult. In Canada, we're still dealing with inflation and high housing prices and people who are out of work. It, it It's, you know, it's things where it's things that really affect people's daily lives. Sometimes we talk about them more heavily than others. Uh, but we, we we try to make it so that everyone can have a chance to, to discuss and, and be involved in the conversation. Great. Great. Sounds sounds like a, a great opportunity for people to gather and, and be able to express those. We try like like you've mentioned, those are difficult topics. And so we tend to avoid them. Um, and so so good for you for creating that safe space for that. We, we try as much as we can, um, <laughs> you know, and then the, the other program that's sort of our, our stalwart and the one that we we put a lot of emphasis on and work in is all in Sunday. Uh, All In Sunday is an intergenerational program that is geared towards children, but it's geared towards a larger short sort of idea of everyone is all in. So we start with um, a, a morning gathering that usually includes lessons and sometimes science and sometimes math. And we utilize the STEM uh, way of teaching for those. So, yes, we have done science experiments in church. It happens. And we have found that it has invigorated uh, the people who are involved, not just those who are helping run the program, but also any of the kids and youth and, and adults that join us. So we start with that gathering in the morning, then we have a potluck lunch, and then we will have an activity in the afternoon, for example. So in coming up in February, for example, we are going to our, our program leader's house they have a couple acres and we're doing maple syrup all afternoon. So we are watching the process of making maple syrup, eating maple syrup, all kinds of things. So it's these sort of experiences that we're trying to bring on a monthly basis. So all in Sunday happens every single month. And we, we usually get a pretty high turnout for those um, depending on what's going on and depending on how far flung we are. But it, it's it's been one of our programs that has been something that I think is incredible and I think highly templatable for other congregations should they feel it, it's something they could do. I, I, I really do think that it's a great path forward for Community of Christ. At least for us, we're finding success with it. 
so you when you say uh, templatable, I would assume that it would be okay if folks wanted to reach out to the reaching out center uh, through your contact information and and perhaps ask more questions about that. Absolutely, yeah. We can. You can reach us at our at our. You know, even our website has our info on it. Reachingout.ca. You can find out more there, or um, you know, there's contact info there as well. Just let us know. But we, I really do think that this program is is a fantastic offering for any community. Well, I appreciate your willingness to share that. I'm sure that there are some of our listeners who would definitely benefit from that. So, as you think about this journey that started back in uh 2019 right before the pandemic oh my gosh i mean just as if starting a new program weren't difficult <laughs> enough yep to do that in completely uh world changing circumstances um if you were to narrow it down maybe even to a couple of things what are some of the key things that you've learned on your journey whether they were things oh my gosh we should never do this or boy this really worked or or what 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 are some learnings that you got yeah, I think uh, I, I never knew that plywood and doors could be so expensive as one of them. Let's start with that. <laughs> so that's that's one. No, but I think one of the things that has been very interesting and difficult, truly difficult, has been making the shift from exclusive to inclusive language. We have been trying to brand ourselves in a way that showcases who we are and trying to answer questions that we may not even know exist about our existence. So in doing that, we really do have to take the time to think about how we want to talk about ourselves. Just because we say communion, what does that actually mean? What 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 it, What is communion at the community of Christ? We need to talk about that. We need to talk about our building and, and show, show pictures of our building. You may not want to come and visit us, but here's what it looks like on the inside if you came to visit us. You know, what it, it's something as simple as that that sh showcases who we are and what we are. I think language is extremely important, not only in trying to convey who we are and what we stand for, but what it is that makes us us. And how do we do that in a new community where we know ourselves, we've known ourselves for 120 years, right? But right. someone who's coming in our doors tomorrow knows nothing about us. So how can we speak about ourselves in a way that makes sense, but would have an impact and at the same time conveys exactly what we're all about? So does the Canadian church use as many acronyms as the U.S. church does? <laughs> There's a lot of acronyms. Yes, sir. <laughs> that the outsiders might not know. <laughs> even, the, even the word that we used to use a lot, colloquy. It, like using that word it's just discussion it's just a discussion you know right. so, so for me let's let's i know there's sometimes feelings and and things attached to the use of those words but you know we really try to showcase our transparency we i really think that's important both from our feelings and what we say but in our money we 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 showcase our monthly business updates we do our open business reviews. We, we we really try and make sure that, you know, if you give to reaching out, not only is there minimal overhead because we're volunteers, you we, we goes right to programming and you can see that working in and of itself. That to me is extremely important in, in this day and age. Yeah, that's great. And and just not assuming that everybody understands is is gotta right. be really helpful. Really helpful. And and that's the same thing with our members in that training is, is, you know, even something as simple as 
harmony training or understanding why pronouns are important to some people and why that needs to be a part of what we do. All of our name tags for those who are willing have he, him, she, her, whatever your pronouns are. If you're willing to put it on your name tag, go ahead. And, and we allow that and we encourage people to wear their name tags. So if you walk into reaching out, you can, you can pick me out of a crowd because my name is on my name tag. It's simple things like that. Even something as simple as we've talked about how do we get people from the front door to show them where the bathroom is? Who does that? Who, who, who does that? Or do we put something on the floor? Do we have a floor plan? It's all these kinds of rethinking ourselves and things that we just know innately. How do we project that outwards and make people feel like it's their building too? So it sounds like the all-in Sunday is not the all the only all-in you guys do. You guys really are all-in. That's that's amazing. We we are trying. Speaking. Go ahead. Go go ahead. I was just going to say it's 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 an ongoing progress is ongoing. There's never an end point. It's always just progressing and trying to get better. There, there's so you know we kind of go in with that understanding and just try and work through that as best we can. Great. Great. I want to pick up, uh, you've mentioned Harmony and you said you might want to talk about that later. I do want to talk about that just a little bit. Uh, We could probably do a whole episode on on just that process. But if you could, uh, James, take a few minutes to to tell us about that journey with Harmony and, and maybe... How was it received by the group? What have you learned from that? And and your what did you learn about yourself, your your group as as a people in that process? I mean, how 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 did that work for you guys? Yeah, we we had a a very interesting time with Harmony because it sort of came about during the pandemic for us and and not having a building and doing fully online church services and gatherings and and needing something to take up our time. We knew that we wanted to do this as a group. I think the genesis of that came from us thinking through where we were going, what we were doing, and who are the kinds of people we wanted to attract to our new space. We knew we wanted to get younger. We knew we needed to ensure that we had a way to speak to younger people. We needed to show inclusivity because, again, that sort of Toronto, Mississauga, that Golden Horseshoe area is so multiculturalized. It, we've got everybody from all walks of life and all different countries in the world, which is fantastic. But at the same time, I do not speak Mandarin as an example. So, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where we have to pace ourselves and think through what makes sense. And this was sort of a natural progression for us to, to encapsulate and encourage, you know, a specific group of people to join us. But we had to do that legwork. Part of the thing we found with Harmony that was difficult was trying to work through the process. It wasn't people, it wasn't thoughts, it wasn't misconceptions. It was just trying to go through the process. And what I've come to learn from that is it's because we were already there. Mentally, we were already there. We needed to go through the steps, but the frustration came because, well, people were saying, well, of course. Or, duh, yes, we have to do this. Or, you know, that makes total sense to me. Uh, I know not every group and congregation is like that. I know there are some difficulties with acceptance and working through that process. But we wanted to be a space where people could come and feel welcome, no matter their persuasion, that everyone born a place at the table piece that we've, we've been talking about. So the process was the toughest part. But in getting through that, I have seen 
change that I did not think was possible. I have seen people who in their 80s, in their 90s are embracing this. It's not that I didn't think they couldn't, is that I didn't know what the reaction would be. But I believe that the vision from the top down of trying to figure out where we need to go and what we need to do solidified the need for this. And in going through that process, we we found that there were people who were became disengaged. There were people who were not wanting to be involved with that and as a result have not come back. But at the same time, those that have stuck around, we're, we're all the richer for it. And we cannot wait to invite those first few people from that community into our community. Right. I want to I want to pick up on something that you said, um, because I hear it from others and I'm not sure that they are where you are. So you you mentioned some frustration or or some block, uh, if you will, uh, because you're hearing things in the process that you're going, we're already there. We're already there. Do you think that is because of the multicultural setting that you live in in the midst of that? Because, again, I think. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, well, we know that we we're already there. We're already welcoming and affirming and they don't realize how far they have to go. Um, so, so I'm interested to know what creates that sense that a lot of it was not new knowledge, but kind of just putting it into action. Yeah, I think I think there was definitely some understanding going into this that this was sort of the way forward. Um, just one of them, you know. We I think what we wanted to make sure was that this didn't this wasn't the be all end all of things. It wasn't that church is changing to this or that our gatherings were changing to this. It's that this is one facet and asset of our um, mental capacity and our abilities that we can go through this process, come out the other side, and be better for it. We were still doing regular services. We're still doing things that are in general. I think this is just an offshoot. And what has ended up happening is it's it's become a thing that has united us in a way that I did not know it could or didn't think it at least would because it's something that we can say proudly, every one of us, to anyone we're talking to. That is powerful. That is impactful. That is extremely exciting to be a part of. And I think that that genesis of that and the and the end the end point of that for us has really been the start of something new that we didn't know was going to even be there. So the fact that we were able to complete that harmony training and get to the other side and be better for it is all the reason why I would recommend it for as many groups as are willing to do it. And do you think having been through the process, also knowing where you kind of began the process, already being fairly inclusive minded and and aware of the need, do you think that a congregation or a group coming into that process from scratch, really not having any idea, is it something doable for them? I think it depends on I think it depends on who your leaders are. That's that's part of it. I think it really comes down to that whole, all right, grab my hand, let's do this together. Uh, but at the same time, there has to be buy-in. It can't, it can't be a mandated thing, nor should it be. If your group is not ready for that, so be it. But what what are you also not prepared for in that instance? Are you prepared for continuing decline in membership? Are you prepared for you know, not being able to talk to someone who walks in the door who may be interested in joining the group or being a part of what you're doing, but because you don't recognize yourselves as a safe space or speak their language 
as it were, how are you going to be able to integrate them and, and make that a, a part of it? So I, I feel like if groups are willing to take the step, it, it, I think it really is important, but they have to understand that there are ramifications to every decision, as we know. We, this is not a microcosm of itself. It, it really is important to understand that should you choose to do this, there may be people who will not join you on that journey. It's entirely possible, and you never know where that's going to be. But I do feel strongly that going through this process has opened doors for us that would otherwise have stayed shut. I, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that. I know that this is not an, an episode on the Harmony process. And, and again, there probably will be something that we will do, hopefully in the near future. But I think because of your focus on inclusivity, it's it's a piece that is really concrete for people to grasp on to and say, okay, this is an example. And just one piece of the inclusivity, because you've mentioned uh, other world religions, so you don't know who's going to walk in. So, but I really appreciate you sharing that because I think some folks are hesitant to step into a process like that, thinking that's way too much. But uh, to take the step and and to hear from someone who's been through it, it, I think will be helpful in all again all areas of inclusivity, not just the harmony process. So, again, thanks for that. The um the last thing that I really want to ask about, and, and you may have some other things you, you want us to, to cover, but the last thing I want to um, talk about, I've noticed on the website, again, an emphasis on the marketing piece. It's in some of your blogs that are on the website and that kind of thing. And so I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, how you market your ministry and why that has been such an important element in your ministry. I, I... I love answering this question because it's unconventional. And what I mean by that is I, <laughs> I, I, I am a digital marketer myself. It's my, my primary occupation uh, outside of uh, reaching out, of course. And so I look at marketing a little bit different in that, um, you know, I feel like Zoom is a, is a marketing tool. reason why I say that is you can engage a ton of people in a hybrid way. Um, people, as I mentioned, who cannot get to us for whatever reason are able to be involved with us. That is a big marketing tool. It's not marketing in the sense of, oh, we're going to put this on social media, etc. But it is an important marketing tool. You mentioned it already a few times, the website itself, that coupled with talking about ourselves in a way that is impactful and a way that is inclusive has been a real benefit for us. We have seen a huge increase in traffic on our website, partially because of we're new and there's a, a newness to what we do in the community. But at the same time, something as simple as an events calendar on our website that gets updated with regularity has been a huge success for us. Oh, I saw it on your website that you're having a board game night next this week, I'm coming. Or I saw you're doing card making. Hey, I, I wanna be involved, what are the details? So that has been beneficial as well. I would say the website is our biggest marketing tool right now. We would love to get into other things like press releases and paid ads and things like that, but it's just, it it takes a lot of work. You're in the content game, you know, it, it's, a very, <laughs> it's a very busy and difficult thing to try and keep that going. And then we have things like social media and we have our, you know, some of the main things that we do there. In fact, one of the things we're trying to do in 2024 is to use way more use of AI 
to, to develop some content. Not everything is going to be used from AI, but I think it's important to round out your calendar. We can post every week about the events that we do, but there's a level of engagement that people are looking for that isn't necessarily tied to the things you run in your building or the things that you do online. So, so that's important. I'm trying to start up a Smith program. Um, Smith, obviously an acronym, but for one of our founders, it's called Social Media Intern Training and Harvesting. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get youth involved to help post on our social channels, which in turn would allow them to get their 40 hours community service, which is mandated by the government for high school students. And we would be a reference for them on a job. So if someone was trying to get a job in the social media space or elsewhere, we would back them up and be a reference and say, look, yes, this person, Blake did help us for a year on social media. And we, you know, we'll, we absolutely will agree to that. So I'm trying to re-engage that for, for this to not only have a, a larger presence and talk to our audience in more ways, but engage a group of people who are so savvy with this in a way that I could never be and, and give them something in return. I think that could be super powerful. Excellent. Excellent. Well, all of this has been just incredible. I want to ask you and, and just see if there's anything that I haven't asked uh, that you'd like to share about Reaching Out Center or the ministry that you're providing? I, I think that, you know, for those that are thinking about how to take the plunge on anything, whether it be change or or harmony or just trying to do something new, the experimentation of that and the testing of that is super important. I'm a big proponent in my personal and professional life of failure or the zone of failure, as I call it. Take the leap. If you fail, at least you learn something. Okay, that doesn't work. Maybe we try this. That to me is just as valuable as trying something new and it being successful. I would much rather find out that something doesn't work so we can focus our attention. Uh, everybody at our sort of space and in our group has the whole issue of, well, I only have so much time. I only have so much energy and I only have, we only have so much money. So how do we, how do we maximize our effort? Uh, and I think that that's one of the things that is super important in this day and age is the experimentation on trying new things and being okay with failure, knowing that failure is not the end. And I think Churchill said that, you know, success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And it's so accurate. That, that is, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, and someone of his stature that went through what he went, it has minimal meaning to us, but it makes total sense. It, and it absolutely is. So that zone of failure and being prepared to fail, but taking from that and learning from that is huge. Uh, and, and that has served us well and continue to serve us well as we go through. The only other thing I want to say, Blake, is thank you for this opportunity. It's been lovely to chat with you. I appreciate the opportunity. And I think the Project Zion podcast is great. Uh, I, I continue to listen as I go. And I'll be very excited to to talk to you again if I get the opportunity. Well, I've got some ideas for some other conversations, James. So uh, I may hold you to that. As a matter of fact, I'll just say I will hold you to that. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds great. And, and thanks so much for taking the time uh, to be here with us at Project Zion Podcast. Your energy is infectious and contagious um, and, and encouraging and hopeful. And, and I think we need that. Uh, I would say to our listeners, if you've listened to this podcast and you're going, oh, my gosh, there is no way I couldn't do all of that. Do not be discouraged. If 
if this episode does nothing else than help you think outside the box, then I think we will have been successful. We don't need, everybody doesn't need to be somebody else's ministry. You need to find out what God's calling you to where you are and uh, be encouraged uh, that if you are doing that, even if you're failing, thank you for that, in, <laughs> James, if you're failing, um, as long as you're moving forward, it's a great thing. So I just, again, James, I really appreciate you sharing your story and your missional ministry, all that you guys have been going through uh, over these last years, and uh, we'll continue to hold you in prayer as, as we go forward, that uh, that ministry, which will be a model to all of us, uh, can continue to be successful. Thanks also to our listeners here at Project Zion Podcast. Again, I hope this episode has been helpful for you, especially those who are seeking to be a part of Christ's mission in the places where you live and serve. If you'd like more information about the Reaching Out Center, you can visit their website at reachingout.ca. And of course, if you'd like to hear more from the What's Brewing series, you can go to projectzionpodcast.org and choose What's Brewing from the series menu. You can also find us on all of the uh, podcast platforms. Uh, so wherever you can find us, we, in, we invite you to look us up. We'll be sure to include the links to both the Reaching Out Center and to Project Zion Podcast in our show notes and uh, hope that you'll, you'll find us there. That's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode of What's Brewing. Thanks again for joining us. As our executive director, Apostle Robin Leakhart often says, go out and make the world a better place. Take care. <music>